This is Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Ten days down through the NHL postseason. Ten days down en route to the Stanley Cup. All 16 teams still in it. Islanders hang on a couple days ago. Florida Panthers hang on last night against the Boston Bruins. They force a game six back in Florida. Matthew Kachuk with the OT winner. We heard him uh, after he got the kind of the player of the game puck from his teammates said, remember this locker room, we'll be back here for game seven. So Matthew Kachuk leading the way for the Florida Panthers. Uh, They're sticking around in this first round series against the Boston Bruins. Toronto, yes, the Maple Leafs, they have a chance to kick Tampa out tonight in game five in Toronto at Scotiabank Arena. We'll talk about that series, that game with J.D. Bunkus. He's the host of the J.D. Bunkus podcast and Leafs talk on the Fan 590 coming up here at the top of the hour. Uh, later in the show, we'll bring in Sean Gentilly. He's a senior national writer for The Athletic. We'll take a spin around uh, the rest of the league, the rest of these playoff series that are going on. Uh, three games on tap tonight, Rangers, Devils, Jets, Golden Knights round out the three games. And of course, yes. Maple Leafs lightning as I mentioned last night the Florida Panthers keep things alive with a 4-3 overtime win in Boston uh the Bruins outshot the Panthers 47-25 but Sergei Bobrovsky was excellent 44 saves on 47 shots a 936 save percentage Linus Allmark he was fine he was just okay uh, the very last goal that he let in, uh, which was Matthew Kachuk's OT winner, as we just mentioned off the top, uh, he leaves his net. And we all know the Steve Dangle quote. I've been told that Logan Gordon got very upset about it. We've all heard it. If you're a goalie, tend the goal. Uh, Linus Allmark, he leaves his crease. He basically sets up Matthew Kachuk for the OT winner again to force a game six. In Florida, um, I thought this series was going to be a gentleman's sweep. I thought it was going to go five. I I thought the Panthers were going to make it interesting, but I didn't think they were going to make it go this long. Um, I'm not mad about it. The game's been pretty fun. We do have a great clip from uh, post game about Matthew Kachuk and the way that he's playing. I heard this is from Paul Maurice last night. Um, I've been on the Kachuk should be a Hart Trophy finalist wagon for a while now since he kind of started pulling that team into the playoff conversation. They went from being one of the biggest disappointments to forcing game six against the Boston Bruins. And Matthew Kachuk is a huge reason why I have a ballot. I cannot say how my ballot went yet this year until they are out. But Matthew Kachuk was on my heart ballot. And here's what Paul Maurice had to say about Kachuk last night. You mentioned Matthew Kachuk. Just what can you say from your vantage point of what you saw as he was able to find the back of the net? <laughs> that guy is a, and then you put a long string of profanity, gamer. Is, is he not a gamer? Like, I had time how many times he did that in Calgary to us in Winnipeg. Drive me crazy. How he could just, out of nowhere, pull a puck. So, I don't know, there's what, 700 guys in the league, 600 and... 40 of them jam that thing as fast as they can at the net and lose it, and he pulls it across. Right, he's got... He's just a gamer. 
what can I say? He's just a gamer. Matthew Kachuk with a big one last night. Uh, I would still like to see a little bit more from Aaron Eckblad. There's some guys in Florida that can be doing a little bit more, some guys in Boston who can do in a little bit more. Uh, David Pasternak hasn't played great in the postseason. Obviously, injuries have been a big issue in the first couple games. Uh, the Bruins, I think it speaks to how good they are, though. I will say this. I'm not going to go crazy here. I still think the Bruins are going to win. Uh, this series, they go up 3-1 in the series, basically without their top two centers. They have so much talent on the wings. Taylor Hall's basically their third line winger. You got Tyler Bertuzzi, um, David Pasternak, even though he, he needs to be a little bit better, but there's just so much talent there. I, I, I still think the Bruins are going to win this series, but Matthew Kachuk and the Florida Panthers are making it interesting. The other game last night was the Seattle Kraken. They beat the Avs 3-2. to two. That series will head back to Seattle with the Kraken getting a chance to eliminate the Stanley Cup champions in six games on Friday night. It was Ty Cartier who was kind of the, the big story out of last night. His first NHL game ever. Not just first playoff game. Uh, he's never played in the NHL before. He comes in for Jared McCann as the next man up and uh, and he scores to make it 2-1. He's an undrafted free agent, won AHL Rookie of the Year this season with Coachella Valley, uh, and comes in and just casually scores probably the biggest goal of his career in a huge Game 5 to swing the series in their favor, heading home again. The Kraken have a chance. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've read the text slide here. This is what we all need to hear. More Kachuk praise. Twist the knife in. Why don't you? I'm sorry. I'm sorry I have to talk about what is topical, and it's Matthew Kachuk and the Florida Panthers from last night, and obviously the Seattle Kraken, as mentioned. Um, there was another big referee controversy in that game last night. Nathan McKinnon tripped before that goal by Ty Cartier. Um, sure, the refs missed the call. Absolutely. But what is Nathan McKinnon doing just standing there throwing a fit about it, yelling at the referee? He just stopped. He stopped. He swung his stick at the glass. He yelled. He didn't get back and play defense. Uh, he didn't get off to let, you know, the second line center come on to go play defense. There's no line change, no D, nothing. The refs got to make the call. And I understand there was another trip before that that enraged Nathan McKinnon to that point. But, like, you got to keep playing, dude. Uh, you can't just stand there and start screaming at the referee. Uh, so game six in fr on Friday in Seattle. Going to be tougher on the Kraken with Kale McCarr back. Uh, but the Avalanche look far more human right now than they did last year when they were just a wrecking ball all the way to a Stanley Cup championship. Uh, the big game tonight, Toronto Maple Leafs, they have not won a playoff series since 2004 when they beat the Ottawa Senators in the Eastern Conference quarterfinals. They're up 3-1 against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Game 5 goes tonight at Scotiabank Arena as we head to the Atlas Pizza Guest Hotline and bring in J.D. Bunkus from the Fan 590, the J.D. Bunkus podcast, and Leafs Talk... JD, uh, everyone's kind of cool, calm, collected in Toronto right now. Everyone's just vibing. Chill. Everyone's chilling. <laughs> Everybody's just so chill. Definitely all the texts I've gotten today have been so chill. Yeah. Everyone's, it's fine. Everyone's excited. Everyone's feeling great. Nobody's panicking. Nobody's posting pictures of themselves when they were 10 years old the last time the Leafs won anything. I got to tell you, though, actually, I, you know what I think it really is, or so much of it is? I actually don't think people are overly pessimistic or worried about the outcome. I think people here are worried to hope. Like, 
they're so guarded and abused that just even the prospect of letting yourself believe a good thing can happen and then having that bite you back, that's the general vibe I'm getting from people is they're terrified to even discuss the possibility of Toronto winning. Like, you would think that this is not an elimination game tonight other than the fact that they could lose. That's it. Yeah. That's the vibe. That's the discussion is what happens if they lose? (laughs) There's no... What happens if they win happening? There's no, I feel good tonight. There's no, wow, what, what could change? It's just this. This is it. It's people talking about Michael Bunting and whether or not they're happy or not that he's in the lineup. Mostly pretty happy that he's not, surprisingly for a guy that scored, you know, 46 goals the last two years. And then, yeah, people basically doom casting what's going to happen if and when they lose and not letting themselves get their hopes up. So, yeah, yeah. fun times. People are trying to think, like, if the Leafs lose game five, can they win game six? Uh, if they lose tonight, or is it just done? <laughs> yes. The, they might as well just map. hold it up like, oh, and have oh, it no. be over. Don't play the other two. Just let everybody crawl into their holes for the offseason and just be in peace. <sighs> what what to you makes this team different? That's kind of been the, the topic of conversation, though, um, as they kind of have the big comeback. It was 4-1 uh, in game four. They come back and win 5-4. That's not something we've seen the Leafs be able to do. Um, games three and four in Tampa weren't great. I thought the Leafs had a lot of trouble getting out of the zone, staying in the zone. They looked sloppy until they didn't. Um, so how do you kind of look at those games as – yeah, this team is different this year because they didn't lose them, but how do you reconcile with the fact that they didn't look very good in those games for the large majority of them? Well, it, I reconcile with it by going, well, would you rather be Tampa, the team that looks better and loses, or would you rather be the team that found a way to win a playoff-style game? Mm-hmm. I, I honestly look at it as what's different. The Leafs wouldn't have won that game in the past. They weren't built to win those games of the past. There's three things for them that are different right now. One, they're getting goaltending, which is shocking because there were moments in this series where people were talking about, oh, my God, are they going to have to turn over the net to rookie Joe Wall because Samsonov looks so shaky. Now he's settled in. He looks like the guy that we all saw during the regular season who was a top 10 goalie who's playing with a ton of confidence. And frankly, he's drastically outplayed Andre Vasilevsky, which I don't think anybody had on their bingo card. Two... If you told is, me that before this started, I would have said, like, you're a homer. Get off the radio. Yeah, which <laughs> I would like to say that I did place. My brother and I did place a Samsonov Smythe bet at a very, very <laughs> long shot odds. I'm just saying it uh, was like Allmark was the favorite at something like nine to one. And we went, oh, all right, just seems like maybe Samsonov shouldn't be 100 to 1. So we might have put a little duck down on that. So some people did have a little homer faith. Two okay. is that their superstar players, Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, are actually driving play, dominating, and not choking. In the past, those guys have been mm-hmm. up and down. There's been a lot of, oh, well, our shots just aren't going in. We're not getting the bounces. This year, they're creating their own luck. Marner has 10 playoff points. He had all the primary assists on Austin Matthews' goals in the last game. Austin Matthews drove that comeback. He was dominant. He's ripping pucks by Andre Vasilevsky and his expected goals for when he's on the ice and through the roof. He's been incredible in the series. Those two guys have been able to translate their game from the regular season to the postseason in a way that they just have not, frankly, over a consistent period like years past. And then three, 
is that they tied the game in game three with a guy who's won a con Smythe before. They're getting steady play from another Stanley Cup winner in Luke Shen. They can look around the room and see guys who have, as Sheldon Keefe put it, the swagger of winners. I was always worried about the Leafs running it back and not making drastic changes because when their backs are up against the wall and they're down 4-1 heading into a third period on the road, I assume that they would look around the room and go, this is the exact same. We are living the yeah. exact same nightmares before. Now, all of a sudden, they look around the room and they go, hey, remember when Ryan O'Reilly went to the dirty area and he scored a game-tying goal and then we went to overtime and beat Tampa? Yeah, it is different. We do have winners in this team. It's not all the same guys that have been carrying around the baggage of this franchise for the last seven years. And that includes the rookie Matthew Nyes, who's been on the, goal, who's been on the ice for four goals for and only one against, and now playing in the top six because he's too young and dumb to know that he's not supposed to be this good. So, yeah, I just think that there are enough changes around the roster. They're getting goaltending, and their stars are stepping up. And so, yeah, has Tampa been better for – the majority of the series, they sure have been. Is that how it works in the playoffs, where the best team conclusively wins every single time? Ask the Boston Bruins yesterday when they absolutely dominated the Florida Panthers and Florida came away with the win. Toronto's playing playoff hockey. They're hanging around in games. They're giving themselves a chance to win, and they're doing it. One of the other players that's kind of been a big... Not a pleasant surprise because this is what he's arguably paid to do. I think it's just been a, a nice change for somebody who had a really tough regular season is Morgan Riley. Oh, he's yeah. got six points. He scored the game-tying goal, um, as we talked about it, in these games three and four. Um, he's first in defenders in, in game score, uh, which is the metric that my colleague at The Athletic, Don Luce-Tishin, has. Like, he's one of the top <laughs> defenders in the playoffs right now. That's been that's probably been huge for this team is having Morgan Riley look much better, and I wonder how much of that has to do with having somebody like Luke Shen beside him. It's been huge. I think the the Shen piece of it has definitely been big. Morgan Riley has always been his best version when he has a steady, stable, reliable partner beside him that makes simple plays, and that's what Luke Shen has done. And, yeah, I don't know about that metric you throw out there. I can just tell you that he has half as many goals in the playoffs as he had all regular season already. So, yeah, he's been pretty damn impactful. And Morgan Riley took a lot of crap this year, but Leaf fans usually did say, and people who comment around the team, well, he's usually been one of their better guys in the playoffs. There is something about him that seems to be a little bit of switch flippable or Switch flipping, whatever uh, yeah, way we can flip the script. He can flip the switch, yeah. whatever. Yeah. He he's been able to do it. He's been phenomenal. He's basically been their most steady, reliable puck mover on the blue line. He's been especially big because people going into the series thought that it was going to be T.J. Brody and Jake McCabe that were going to really going to carry them, and that hasn't been the case. Those guys have basically been struggling for the last couple of games. I would argue for the yeah. vast majority of the series. And so, yeah, Morgan Riley's play has been phenomenal, but it's been, again, especially important given that the rest of Toronto's blue line has been a little shaky. And that includes, yeah, former Calgary legend you're there in your market, Mark Giordano, who's been on the ice for the most high-danger chances against him. any Leafs player. That. Yeah, I know. It's tough hey, uh, hey. as a huge Geo guy. <laughs> but it's just a fact. It's just like he, Morgan yeah. Riley and Luke Shen have won their minutes They've kind of dominated a lot of their minutes, and that's been a really, really huge lift for a Leafs blue line that just has not performed the way that a lot of people had hoped they would. Yeah, well, we talked about the uh, on Leafs talk. We talked about how 
this was probably going to be the six that goes into the postseason. And no, Luke Shen is not the most – like, I don't think anyone's saying that Luke Shen is the most talented or skilled defender that the Leafs have. Like, we know that Timothy Lilligren can move the puck better, and he's more – you know, he's better from a pure skill standpoint, but like the Leafs have guys who have skill. They don't need any more of that on the blue line. They need someone like Luke Shen to go in to Tampa in a game four where they're down four one and lay, what was it, 10 hits? <laughs> Fight Tanner Janot, like just be a rock for Morgan Riley. Like, I will never, I, this is the Luke Shen fan club over here. Everybody likes I'm, Luke. I'm, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> you can be a part of Luke's troops. That is the name of the fan base. Luke's that troops. Is. Luke's troops. And, yeah, Luke's troops to- totally embraces you and welcomes you to the club. I got to tell you, like, you threw out that little fancy athletic stat there. Um, huge, massive, monumental L so far for the nerds when it comes to this Leafs team. Like, the big contributors <laughs> have been Nolachari and Ryan O'Reilly and – Luke Shen playing over Timothy Lilligren. Like, could you imagine no Luke Shen in this series, but Timothy Lilligren? Could you imagine Pierre Engvall Terrible. in this Terrible. series? Terrible. Noel Achari. Like, Toronto clearly has a different identity in their bottom six and with some of their blue line. And all of the nerds that were doing their <laughs> hand-wringing about the expected goals for whatever the hell stat you just threw out there about whatever the athletic has. Like, all those guys are Thanks, eating dude. it so hard eating it just (laughs) over and over again and they're like breaking out their charts and toronto continues to get out charted in the series they're like we don't know what to do it's just like you gotta remember (laughs) it's different playoff hockey is different than the large data set of a regular season they're basically two different sports it's what people have been saying all along it's why kyle dubas went out at the deadline and went out and got as he termed it compete which i said all along is just a different name for heart which makes the nerds spin out of control, lose their minds. They cannot believe that their god, Kyle Dubas, would actually covet such a skill set. And yes, where can the Leafs benefit? They have way more heart than they did in years past. Yeah. (laughs) I can't believe you just came on the radio and said this is a huge L for the nerds. (laughs) It is. The nerds are spiraling. Like They just don't know what to do because Dubas is their god. They are are part of Luke's troops now. I I called out Dom. I called out Dom. He was like, you know what? Luke Shen should never, never leave the active roster. And I was like, yeah, thanks for finally coming around on that one. Who could have seen this coming? Not the... Not the charts, although I do like I do like a blend of analytics in the eye test. Sure, um, but sure. <laughs> let's go to the Michael Bunting conversation because his suspension's over, uh, but he's not expected to come back into the lineup. The Leafs won three straight without him. Um, in my opinion, like I am fine with this. I am fine with Michael Bunting not coming right back into the lineup. Callie Yarncroak, the boy boy, he is better on the top line with Austin Matthews. I think he does more to create space. I think he is just a better fit there when it matters the most. Matthew Nyes basically saved the game for them in game four. He's not coming out of the lineup. And Bunting just hasn't shown that he can be... Like, sure. Is he better than Sam Lafferty? Yeah. But what has Bunting done when he's played in the bottom six away from Austin Matthews to show that he deserves to pop back into the lineup when they've won three straight and they're at 3-1 against Tampa? Yeah. Not sure. So I'm I'm with you in that. What was the way you phrased it at the very beginning? You phrased it as, I'm okay with it. (laughs) I think you said, yeah. I think at the very beginning, you said, I'm okay I with it. So am I. Yeah, I'm I fine with this. Mo- most people, most, yes, fine. 
I think most people are fine with it. But my opinion is they should have put Michael Bunting down on the bottom four. And it's simply this. is I, I think this is a very strange thing that coaches do in pro sports. And it actually, to me, does show you a little bit of Toronto's past scars. Where they're going, it's working. We're not changing anything because we're not messing with the juju in the room. Like, they believe in the juju as much as the other people do. That's them admitting that. Because if they really didn't believe in any of the ghosts and any of the psychology stuff of the sport, they would go, so wait, one of our best players is back and we can put him in the lineup? A guy that got suspended who was playing in our top six, we can get him over a guy who has literally as many goals as he had this season over the course of 260 games his entire career in Sam Lafferty? We're not going to put him in. Like, imagine this was any other sport. Like, imagine this was the NBA and your sixth man came back and the team goes, yeah, we're not going to play him tonight because we won the last game. It's insane. Our starting cornerback is back, but we won last week, so we're not going to put our starting second cornerback in. Like, this is a pure hockey juju thing. That's the sport. You go, okay, we're just going to keep running it back. To me, you play your best players. And I wouldn't have put Michael Bunting back up in the top six. I'm like you. He does come with a lot more risk. I think that he does have a target on his back for Tampa. The sideshow stuff that he brings to the ice could be really, really damaging for the Leafs in a series like this. But if Toronto falls down in this game and their second power play needs time or they need a shot in the arm, are they really going to benefit from nine minutes of Sam Lafferty? Was it really going to be more advantageous to them to have him out there when he's not providing you anything other than those nine, you know, killing the clock minutes that you'd be asking Michael Bunting to play? I, I just sure. think in terms of a roster, a roster flexibility standpoint, plus just having your best players, I would rather do this. I think it would have been a nod from the Leafs that they're not afraid of the quote-unquote hockey gods or the bad bounce gods and that they were just going to do what, again, most, to me, intelligent coaches would do in any professional sport. So I disagree, (laughs) but to round up that long rant, I'm with you where I go, I'm fine with it. It's not like a hill I'm going to die on. It was kind of like, yeah, it's not what I would have done, but I'm fine with it. Yeah, I mean, and the longer the rant, the less that I have to do, so it's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> keep going. No, um, no do something. My... Now. now it's your turn. Do a thing. Show us what you yeah. do. You just made everyone. Dance. You just Dance. shined the spotlight the right on. Like now, now this next question is big. This is a big <sighs> next question, next statement from you. Spotlight's on you. Let's go, kid. No, I'm still on the bunting train here because my question is, like, when was the last time that he was the shot in the arm? that the Leafs needed. Like, his last goal was against Montreal. Yeah. I would argue that he... It's, it's hard for me to think about, like, when exactly that was for this team. But, again, he's got 46 goals in the last two years. He's clearly played very well. When with he's Matthews riding shotgun Martin. with Austin Matthews, which he hasn't been yep. doing well for the last while. Yep, and it's something that a lot of guys have done, and but they haven't done it as effectively as he has. And so I would just argue sure. that, hey, um, you are behind in the game and you need to load up a line or you need to load up your top six and you're looking for offense. I think I would want to have him in the mix. So, yeah, rather than an Alex Kerfoot who has gotten a lot of looks at top six minutes. And as fun as the Matthew Nice thing has been, and as much as I agree he shouldn't have lost the spot, yeah, Matthew Nice has a bad turnover in his own end. And, yeah, the narrative is going to flip pretty quickly. So 
Yeah, I just I want to have my best players available to me. That's just my only thing. But you're right. He hasn't had the impact that he's supposed to have for a while. Sheldon Keith was clearly trying to hammer home that message to him over the last couple of months of the season of, hey, we want you to play within yourself and not lose your mind with the officiating and with the diving. And frankly, Michael Bunting never listened. He never learned. And now he has to learn the hard way where he's out for three games. He really did hurt his team in the moment, but basically killed them in game one. And then he has to eat it and sit in that luxury box as the rest of his teammates get a chance to, I, I will say, make history because everything that happens in Toronto is history because we're number one, Calgary. Eat it. Oh, you know what? Things were going, this was going so well until you just did that. <laughs> I love text lines up open, 960, line. 960, folks. Know, let yeah. us, let, let them come. Let them come. <laughs> Um, Isn't it way more concerned? fun when you have someone to hate, though, in hockey, Calgary? Like, I know what that is the way for me. I loved yesterday hating on Nathan McKinnon. That was not a trip, by the way. You were wrong. His skates got caught up with the other players' skates. They just both fell down, and then he cried like a huge sure. crybaby and screwed yeah. over his team. Like, sure. like I'm not even going to get into the, like, was it a penalty or was it not? Because I, I've been trying really hard not to talk about the refereeing and the officiating yeah. too much because it's kind of driving me crazy. Like, it is a story yeah. because it's been so consequential. But the biggest takeaway for that is, Nathan McKinnon, what are you doing? Yeah. Crying. He was crying. Get back on D or get off the ice and let JT Comfer go and be in the D zone or something. Like, don't Somebody. whatever it is that you decide to do, don't do not do that. That was dumb. What he picked was the worst outcome. He picked the worst possible timeline. And, yeah, I think he does deserve prison for that. But, yeah, no, I love some playful hockey hate. It's the absolute best. It's what makes this time of the year so sweet. Yeah. Um, I was listening to your show today a little bit. This is a, a bit off, off the rails. Mm-hmm. But I was watching the basketball last night. I was watching Jimmy Butler. He has yeah. been a menace in the playoffs. And then I was listening God. to your show. This <laughs> just incredible the the bucks just yeah. blew it they blew it yeah i'm a little this is so i watched Giannis attend to do his post-game media and he had the yeah. brilliant the ted lasso thing. failure thing yeah and i got so worked it up it's a bit of a that. failure dude you were the it number is. one seed you lost to miami in the first round you've been the one seed for three years in a row and you've won one championship i'm sorry yes. it's not good yeah. <laughs> yes I totally, but that's, that's, what I, I that's kind of where I was going with it. Is I'm like <laughs> watching it, being all inspired, about to retweet it, and I'm like, way to go, Giannis. And then I remember that his number one seed team lost all the games. And also, I, there's, there's two things with Giannis in this one. Um, before he won the championship, people were worried about his free throw shooting and how that was going to affect his game in big spots because he'd be tentative to go to the line. And then he had that put-away game against Phoenix where everyone said, okay, all those questions are put to bed. Giannis is the greatest player in the NBA. He's a champion, blah, blah, blah. He got to dance on Kevin Durant and every other person that made a superstar team, and it was great. It was a really, really fun moment. But that game, he deserves a ton of criticism because he missed a million free throws, and he was totally scared of the contact because he did not want to go to the line which was always yeah. the honest criticism in a put-away game. Meanwhile, the other guy, and I guess this kind of does lead in or lead back to the Leafs a little bit, is that is what choking versus confidence does for you. Like, Jimmy Butler has had success at that stage over and over and over again. He trusts who he is in those moments. And, yeah, being clutch is not even necessarily elevating your game. It's just knowing that you can maintain it and that nothing is going to phase you in those spots. And Giannis was phased. He blinked. Jimmy Butler didn't. And I do have to wonder, and this is the, the take that will get me in trouble, 
because oh. you're not allowed to do this in 2023. I got Giannis came back for Game Four, and I just I gotta wonder, could he have played in Game Three? But the Bucks got a little cocky with the injury and said, "Yeah, we're gonna rest you extra." Like, sure. To go from not being able to play to being able to play 40 minutes a couple of days later, I just yeah, I wonder if they he said we're basically yeah, we're punting on one of these games, but don't worry, we're still going to beat these guys. We'll still find a way to get it done. And then mm-hmm. they didn't. And so, yeah, I think uh I do think it's a huge failure for the Bucks. <laughs> and it's not yeah. like me not getting a promotion. Like I'm just some peon plug who talks. He's Giannis Antetokounmpo. He makes yeah, hundreds of, like of millions of dollars. To him, he's the best player in the world. He should win a championship. If I'm the best journalist in the planet, if I'm the best radio host in the planet, and I don't get a raise at the end of the year, it's a failure. <laughs> it's just yeah. a failure. So, yeah, no, he's kind of wrong. That poor reporter that got dunked on and Eric something, he name-checked him. I went, oh, I got the shivers for that guy. because he'll live I don't think that Eric got dunked on, career. though. I don't think he was getting dunked on. Those two actually, Eric writes for The Athletic, and I think he's done some really good work on Giannis before. I think they have a good relationship, which is why I do it. I work for the company. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's great. They they sign my checks, so does Sportsnet. Uh, Two great great places to work. Um, But I think that's why we got such an insightful answer from Giannis is because he has that relationship. I liked the answer. I'm never going to complain about a player having a personality and being insightful and, and speaking oh, for a minute versus him just saying like, no, um, I think it was, was a nice a look, look into everything, but yeah, it was, it was a bad season for the bucks. Okay. Final question. It was a great so answer. Gotta get out of sure. here and go to break. That was, sure. that was basketball corner with JD Bunkus yeah. and hockey central. Boy, the Calgary fans are so <laughs> thrilled. They're like, this guy's talking about basketball and how Toronto is better than Calgary. Wow. Oh, we can't, we're I clamoring for more. Giannis. Yeah, you I mean, did. it's in, you know what? Say. Yeah, it's a story. It's a thing in the sports world today. Um, okay, the final question for you, JD, before we get you out of here. The Leafs have a chance here to be the first team to punch their ticket to round two. Mm-hmm. There is Wild. some maybe concern out there about the home ice disadvantage. I think John Cooper's trying to play a little bit of mind games with his quote from Morning Skate today. Do At the end of the day, do you think the Leafs can get it done on home ice tonight? Or are we having the same conversation uh, a couple days from now about game six? Yeah, I mean, I hate predictions because you get put in an impossible position of either you're being negative or you're cursing it, right? Like, it's just, it's one of the two. So you're stuck in this spot where I basically have to middle this. I'm going to middle it by saying, of course, I think they can win. I think it's insane for people who are like, they're definitely going to lose this game tonight. Like, I don't know how you could be doing this. Here's what I will tell you. If you have a very, very strong conviction, sports gambling in this country is legal now, and so you should take advantage of your soothsayer abilities and go put some money down on the side that you strongly believe in. I will say, though, as a longtime sports fan who does believe that sometimes in the little bit of the kismet, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs being the team with, what, uh, 10 straight playoff exits in the first round, having an opportunity to be the first in the Stanley Cup playoffs – to advance, there is some sweet sports karma narrative thing for the suffering fan base there. And so I, I'll say that that stat, because I cannot believe it's true, because it feels like Caroline already advanced, but no, they lost. And I was going to say, what was the other one that really feels like it's over? Oh, Islanders, yeah, Boston Bruins. should have won, yes. 
Yeah, but that's so scary. Like, Bruins felt like they should have won yesterday. That was a dominant performance, and they yeah. still found a way to lose. But it's like, yeah, Toronto, you telling me that, that they could be the first one through? Now I'm feeling like I would say 40 – no, 4.5% more confident about the Leafs tonight okay. after that stat. <laughs> okay. All right. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Let's Share see. that one with all your nerds at The Athletic. 4.5% confidence boost rating. All right? That's a stat. <laughs> Okay. Thanks for coming on here and hating the company in which I work for. We'll do this again sometime, no JD. Uh, let's be clear. I like Forset. It's really good. It's the best company. I've always said number one, number one, yeah. number one. Company man. True and uh-huh. true. All right, Haley. Thanks for, for sure. having me. I've got to go to break. Goodbye. Bye, Calgary. There goes JD Bunkus. He, uh, he hates me and the athletic but love sportsnet love sportsnet 960 always a pleasure to have him on here uh that conversation was brought to you by atlas pizza and sports bar using the same secret recipe since 1975 you can dine in at 6060 memorial drive northeast takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344 uh we're gonna head to a quick break when we come back sean gentilly's gonna join us we're gonna table all the basketball talk sorry about that and uh look at some more nhl playoff games nobody kicked out yet are we surprised is it going to be the Leafs that are first maybe it's going to be the Canes uh look ahead at Winnipeg Vegas as well that's coming up next on Hockey Central and Sports at 960 The Fan you're listening to Hockey Central 960 with Haley Salvian on your home of the flames Sportsnet 960 The Fan all right the program continues it's a Thursday afternoon here on Sports at 960 I'm Haley Salvian here with you for us another 15 20 minutes and we're going to bring in a friend of the show it's sean gentilly he joins us now on the atlas pizza guest hotline to continue our discussion looking around the league uh at the playoffs because all 16 teams are still in it sean what's up are we surprised by that that nobody's been booted yet i'm surprised by the music you guys played me into it's a song from why I don't know, like 1993, maybe that I haven't, I possibly haven't heard since then. That was wild. I was not expecting that. Cam, why did what you pick this music? Who did this? What? Soul to Soul. There we go. You're Are they Canadian soul, or something? Cam. Is it? Is this? Is I don't this, think that's CanCon. No. Is this Can? Is this CanCon that we're talking about here? Cam is not allowed oh, not to play music f- anymore. <laughs> yeah. We're not playing like Faber Drive or anything here. No. Sean doesn't oh, even know what I'm talking about. Mariana's Trench. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Canadian pop punk bands will only ever be the music that we bring Sean in from here on out. Some right? Headley, maybe. Sound good, everyone? Uh, maybe not Headley. No, maybe not. <laughs> Japan? Japan Japan yeah. are Canadian. Just play into play in them. Sure. All right, Sean. Uh, nobody kicked out yet. All 16 teams are still in. We are through 10 days of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Bruins and the Canes were both up 3-1 in their series, but the Panthers and the Islanders survive. Toronto can be the first team to get to the second round. Like, Are we surprised by the way that this is playing out? I thought there was going to be a few more gentlemen sweeps by at this point in time. Yeah, I'm surprised the Panthers hung around. I thought that was going to be the end of them last night. Um, and that's not, that's not even much of a knock on them, honestly, because I like the way they were playing at the end of the season. But, you know, just the way that series started out, where you had game one and everyone's all excited about how it's 
Alex Lyon. He's making, you know, he's kind of a random dude making crazy saves or whatever. And they lost that game. That's when I was like, okay, we're we're gonna get out of here and we're gonna get out of here in five, right? Uh, so yeah, I, I was surprised to see that to to see that that one get extended uh, last last night for sure. But you know, I don't. I, I think I, this feels about right because I did a lot of the season preview stuff for the Athletic. It was me and Dom and Shannon Goldman, and going through those series at the start of them. You know, and I, and I know, like, whenever you research this sort of stuff and you have to write this, sometimes you convince yourself that stuff's going to be closer maybe than you otherwise would. But by the end of doing all that stuff, I was like, yeah, I, I don't think we're going to see any sweeps. Like, I, I was I was expecting maybe closeness to some degree. But, yeah, the amount of six-game series we're going to end up seeing is, is at least a little bit of a surprise for sure. So one of the other teams that has a chance to, to stamp their ticket to round two, obviously the Leafs can become the first one, but that's just by nature of being the early game tonight. But the Vegas Golden Knights are up 3-1 in the Winnipeg Jets. Um, this was a series that you and I had talked about uh, on our podcast before. Like it could maybe have a chance at being interesting. Like game one, I think, was a pleasant surprise for everyone, but it's like, eh, do we really think Vegas is going to lose to Winnipeg? They have just have too much there. No Mark Shifley tonight. The Jets seems like Vegas is going to punch their ticket. I don't want to jinx anything, but I would be pleasantly surprised if this series continued on past tonight. Yeah, I thought that one was going to be a little bit more competitive than it has been, too. Um, but the big variable there, honestly, is Connor is Connor Hellebuck. I think look, Betsy's reputation is great. It deserves to be. He's put together some remarkable seasons yeah, with a facing a pretty brutal workload too over the last five years. Uh, he gets just a crazy, per, crazy percentage of, of the starts there. So, I, so everybody loves Connor Hallibuck, right? He's like a top tier goalie. I think m- most people are going to put him if not in the top five and certainly really close to it. So you just kind of assume that the jets are going to have, you know, a puncher's chance in any series that they uh, that they compete in, but he hasn't been great, and I think that sort of is an extension of the way he played at points uh, down the stretch, where he was he was pretty mediocre. So I think you know the hopes for a long series, uh, as far as Vegas and Winnipeg uh, is concerned, kind of hinged on him, and he hasn't been good enough to to really give them to make anybody feel all that great about their chances moving forward, right? And then you have Mark Shifley getting hurt and. You know, Nikolai Ehlers is still, you know, a, a major question mark. With it. like that's that's a whole a whole other ball of wax to, to, to kind of get into there. But he seems like maybe he's going to play, maybe not. Throwing all those all those injuries with, you know, some pretty average play out of Hellebuck, and you know, here we are. We're th- we're talking about them being the first the first Western Conference team to move on, which is which is wild. And and could this be it? I think we're all kind of at that point. Like this is it for that this iteration of the Winnipeg Jets, right? Like the band's not coming back together. I think it's pretty fair to say. I mean, yeah, but like, didn't we kind of think that last year too? Like it was like they're gonna have to they're gonna have to move out some some major pieces, and and we we didn't see it then. But yeah, I yeah I, to answer the question more directly, yeah, I, I think I think this is it because it would be crazy. Well, we know Winnipeg is totally uh reticent to make any kind of real changes we know they hate you know they're they put a lot of stock in in consistency and and all that that's fine like that's worked out well enough for, for that organization but 
it's a cliche because it's true. They try to do the same thing over and over again is is a definition of insanity. And I think I think we're seeing that there. If those guys, you know, if, if the Mark Shifleys of the world and and whoever else, you know, can't play a more lockdown defensive style under Rick Bonus, then you got you got to wonder if there's just some kind of fundamental flaw in their game. And I think that's a big part of a big part of where they're at. They're they're an oddly built team that isn't particularly good at any one thing. And they rely on the goaltender more than they should. So, so again, to go back to Hellebuck, if you get a couple mediocre games out of him in the playoffs, you're going to be in big, big trouble. And I think that's, you know, it's panned out this way for them for a reason. Yeah, and, and Mark Shifley obviously not playing tonight, as you mentioned. He's just one of this kind of core group of Jets players whose contracts end next summer. Connor Hellebuck, uh, Blake Wheeler, and you know, Nita Ryder, Brendan Dillon, Dylan DeMello. Their contracts are all up next summer. So these are guys who they're not going to be able to re-sign all of them. So you start to wonder, okay, do they start moving some of these pieces out now, this summer? I don't think the Jets are going to rebuild, but I think we can see – we can probably expect some some movement out of Winnipeg once this series is over. And as I mentioned, that could be tonight if the Golden Knights beat the Jets tonight. That game's at 8 o'clock, uh, 10 o'clock for you, Sean, but 8 o'clock in Calgary. The other game tonight, we, we spent a lot of time talking about Leafs and Lightning with J.D. Bunkus on the show, so I will save you from having to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs, Sean. Uh, but looking at Rangers-Devils, I had Greg Wyshynski on yesterday. Obviously, he's... He's a New York guy, big Devils fan. Do you think the Devils showed enough in games three and four? Like, I think you and I both picked the Devils to win this series um, when we were doing our predictions for the Athletic. Did they, for game one and two, it was like, oh, God, I made a huge mistake. Did you see enough in games three and four to think, all right, we're back on track here, baby. Devils in six, let's go. <laughs> they have, like, the ideal playoff random goaltender in there, right? And that's not to knock Akira Schmid because he's a pretty legit prospect. He's played a, a decent chunk of games over the last year or two, but that he just has that feel about him where he's a dude who's going to step in and, you know, make a, make a difference because they, they needed, they needed something to change from, from the Vitek Vanacek portion of, of that, of that series. Right. But I, I look, I, I love the way Jack Hughes played last game. I love the way he approached it. I love that he said, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, but he said before that game, look, everybody wants to blame these first two losses on the fact that we're not experienced, and that's not it. We just didn't play well, which is great. I love that mindset. He's not like, he's not coming at it from some defeatist angle where it's like, okay, this is the way it goes for young teams. Typically they need kind of a test run the playoffs before they figure it out. He's holding himself to a little bit of a higher standard than that. He's saying in, in those first two games we stunk and and, and we need, and we needed to move on from them and now they have. It's been it's been fun to watch and yeah, I picked them to win the series in seven for that reason because I I really do like that group of forwards. I, I love I love the vibes around that team and you know yeah it's a rule that young teams sort of need to you know find their way in the playoffs you know on on kind of that dry run like like we said but rules like that are made to be broken so i i picked them for a reason and i'm glad they gave me a reason to stick by it for a couple more games 
I like the quote from Jack Hughes as well, but I mean, Lindy Ruff said that they had jitters in game one. So it's like, but I do like the leadership of Jack Hughes coming out and not using that as an excuse or a crutch and just saying we were bad, we needed to do better. And then they did. And now the series is tied 2-2 and, and they're back in New Jersey with a chance to go up on the Rangers. And I think what's interesting about this series is you don't have to look very far to find a young team that ended up being the young inexperienced team that had playoff success. Cause that was the New York Rangers. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So I'm all in on it. Yeah. No, totally. And, it, and it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's truer more often than not. You go back to the penguins or you go back to the, to the lightning or you go back to the caps. Like typically the next great young team does have those kind of growing pains, but it doesn't happen in every instance. And like you said, look at, look at the Rangers. Like people treated them that way last season. They're like, okay, this maybe, maybe next year is, is when it all comes together for them. And clearly that wasn't the case. So yeah, of course, of course it's possible, you know, and, and I'm, I've, I've enjoyed what I've seen. I'm glad that series turned out to be competitive. There, there was so much to like about it. There's so many storylines. You love the you love the New York New Jersey dynamic on and on right like I was psyched about that one to start with and I was bummed after the first few games because it felt like it was going to be short but no they've uh, they've bailed themselves out and they've bailed me out of of at least one of my my predictions which are generally generally for the record uh, going going terribly. <laughs> which one's been horribly wrong? What did you what did you screw up here? I real I. I did not think that this, you know, I, I know that I'm part of a part of an illustrious crew. I think that kind of treated that that came into it with with this approach. But I, I can't believe what's going on in the in the Avs Kraken series. I mean, Colorado that's a that's a different team than that, than last season. They had more than enough stuff to go wrong even before this series. You have no you have no Gabriel Landeskog. You had Makar who was injured for a little bit. No Nazem Kadri, whatever. Going back to last season, this is it is. It's a different team than the one that won the cup. But I just thought that the star power at the top of the lineup was going to be enough to make that a short one. And it, and it remains to be seen. Obviously, the the result last night was wild. Because Seattle absolutely deserved to win that game across the board, aside from just the final score. Uh, but yeah, I, I was I was expecting that one to be to, certainly to be over by this point, and a hundred percent not to be situation where the Kraken are, are, uh, are up 3-2 with a, with a chance to close things out at home here in, in game six. That's been a better series than I think anybody was going to give them credit for before it started. And I, I mean, you saw it. I took I took a lot of heat from our podcast, mm-hmm. um, sure the, the Friday athletic hockey show, for, for saying that the Avs didn't scare me in the postseason. And a bunch of Avs fans called me an idiot. And now I'm feeling really smart. I still pick Colorado to win, but now I'm cheering. I am outwardly, openly cheering for the Seattle Kraken to win in six on home soil. I'm sorry, Kale McCarr. I don't think you're a bad guy. I don't think you meant to hurt Jared McCann. I know he's a local guy, so this is bad to say on Calgary Radio. But I'm not going to be torn up if, if the Avs lose in Seattle no, on Friday it, night. It's just, it's, just been a, it's, just, it's been a bizarre series, too, right? Because everybody said at the start, you know, it's that it's star power versus depth kind of in, in among those forward groups. But the people at the top of Seattle's lineup, you have Jared McCann, who's a 40-goal scorer. You know, obviously he's out of the lineup, but hadn't produced even even when he was healthy. 
Matty Beneers has done some decent stuff away from the puck, I think. Like, it doesn't seem like the moment's necessarily too big for him or anything, but he also isn't producing from, from a point from a point perspective. The one guy out of that top line that's, that's, uh, that's, that's chipped in, at least in terms of production, has been Jordan Eberle. And then at, but beyond that, it's been, yeah. who's, it, who's it been? Y- Yanni Gord, Morgan Geeky, these guys who are, you know, part of that fleet of 10 or 15 goal scorers that they've had on that team, they're the ones that are making the difference. It's been, it's been wild to see because, again, the dudes at the top of the lineup, particularly Benier, they, they haven't gotten much or anything out of them. Jaden Schwartz has been really good as well. Mm-hmm. You see, there's so five many, points there's so in many five guys. Games. There's so many guys in that group, like in that forward group, that it's easy to forget them, right? You talk about Yanni Gord and Morgan Geeky, and you're like, yeah, of course, like Jaden Schwartz, like he's 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 really good this season. He's been really good in that series. That's what happens when you have like, whatever it was. It was 12 or 13 guys who scored 12 goals or more, or, or, or something like that. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me on that. I don't, I don't know if that was the exact number, but it was something close to that. So they're doing it's definitely something double right. Digits. It's, it's been it's been it's been fun to watch. It's 13 players in the regular season had at least 13 goals for the Kraken. Yeah, that's 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 wild. And, and you know, you come into this into this situation with eyes open, and, and you know you're talking about a team that has a pretty impressive, you know, forward group overall. But man, I just thought that like if you're given the for as for as much as things change for Colorado, at at the, at the start of the series, it was still like all right. Am I going to pick him to win the cup? No, but I'll pick Nathan McKinnon and I'll pick Kel McCarr yeah. and I'll pick Nico Rantanen and I and I will I will I will pick those dudes to win this series going away and then reassess, you know, come the second round. But man, it, I, that, that is nothing close. Totally, but when you have Yanni Gord playing really well, matching up against Nathan McKinnon and Philip Grubauer having a revenge series, then you end up in this situation where it's Brandon Tanev versus Dennis Mulgan, and who are you going to take there? Like the Kraken are winning the battle of the depth, and I think that if they Don't win work. this series, that's going to be a huge part of it. Um, thanks for doing this, Sean. This was fun uh, going around the league. Because, yeah, 16 teams still in it, lots to dig into, and uh, we'll see if anyone gets gets booted tonight. Thanks for this. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. All right, there goes Sean Gentilly, senior national writer at The Athletic. As mentioned, three games on tap tonight. Uh, Lightning Leafs, Rangers, Devils, Jets, Golden Knights, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Golden Knights have the opportunity to punch their ticket to round two. Rangers, Devils, that series is tied 2-2. We'll see who can get the upper hand heading into game six coming up this weekend. believe that game is Saturday. Uh, We will be around tomorrow to dive into all of it here on Hockey Central 960. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll chat with you tomorrow.